0: In this episode, I have three fantastic stories for you, and I also have a special guest narrator for my last two stories. It's my friend John from the Weird Encounters YouTube channel. I think you'll love his narration, and if you want to check him out, I'll put the links to his channel below. Now let's get to the stories. I worked as a park ranger for a time in the Black Hills of South Dakota. My goal after graduating college with a degree in conservation was to work somewhere in the Rockies but a job working the Black Elk Wilderness came up, and I took it. The Black Elk Wilderness is home to Black Elk Peak, formerly Harney Peak, and is the highest point of South Dakota. Fortunately, it's a very scenic and decently easy route to the top that most hikers can manage. Unfortunately, that meant a lot of tourists. And coupled with the fact that we were in Custer State Park, which is home to a couple of large bison herds that are easily spotted from the road, the tourists flocked there in droves. It wasn't that I hated the tourists. Wilderness areas need tourists for income. It was just that I had expected to work more with nature and less with people. Twice a week, I was scheduled to patrol the watchtower at the top of the mountain. It was about seven miles round trip, and I had to hike in. I loved it. Getting up before the weekend warrior crowd and hiking in as the sun rose. I lasted two years at that job before I found another one close by. Less tourists and more time in nature sounded perfect to me. I didn't have to warn families about the dangers of trying to pet bison anymore. I would be working for the Black Hills National Forest. Not quite the start of the Rockies yet, but I was moving in that direction. I was thrilled to be working there. I loved to be out in nature and seeing all sorts of wildlife. There was a lot of trail and road maintenance to be done my first summer. They were also working on a program monitoring populations of several wildlife species, so I was scheduled to be working outdoors in one way or another for practically the entire season. One task I had been working on was rerouting an access road and part of a hiking trail around an area that had been washed out by some unusually heavy rains. It was a big undertaking, so we had been working in teams to get it done by the end of the fall season. Normally, the teams consisted of four or five people at a time, but sometimes we were stuck working with just one or two others, depending on the other needs in the area. Things were going well with the project, so I was able to take a small vacation. Four days hiking in the Rockies in Wyoming. The day I drove home from my trip, I swung by the forest. There was still at least an hour of daylight left, and I was curious to see how far the rest of the crew got on the project. I don't know why I just didn't wait until morning when I came into work. I should have waited until morning. I went down the old access road, and it looked like they had taken down several more trees to make a larger parking area. I saw something move in the underbrush at the edge of the forest. I stopped my car and turned the radio down. It looked like something large. Maybe an elk or a bear. I couldn't quite tell. The sun was setting quickly. I thought I had more time than that, but night comes early in the mountains and has a hard time getting through the trees if you're in the woods. I waited in my car to see if I could get a better look at the animal. I knew if I got out, I would likely scare it away. Out of nowhere, I heard a loud crash and a tree topple over right next to my car. It was insane. The whole car shook when it fell. I couldn't believe the odds or how lucky I was that it didn't crush me. I got out of the car and took a look at the fallen tree. It looked healthy. No signs of decay. It didn't come up at the roots, but rather looked like it just broke off and fell. The whole thing was strange, but I was tired from my trip and just wanted to get back home. I was about to get back into my car when I heard another tree break apart and fall. It landed just a few feet away from the previous one. At this point, I didn't know what was going on. If a third tree fell, it would probably land right on me. I knew I had to get out of there. I had to turn the car around and maneuver around the fallen trees. And then I saw it standing there in the forest. The creature was knocking down the trees. I saw its eyes shine in my headlights. They were gold. I would guess it had to stand between 8 or 9 feet tall. Its whole body was covered in hair, like an ape or some similar animal. Saying it looked like Bigfoot or Sasquatch... Makes me sound like a crazy person, but that's really the only thing that it could have been. I don't know what else out there looks like that. It definitely wasn't a bear. It had these human hands and just thick hair all over its body. I didn't stick around long after that. It started shaking another tree, and I drove out of there. There were three trees down when the team got there for work the next day. I ended up telling my coworkers about this, but they just thought I was crazy.
1: I just got back from a week-long trip to Florida. My fiancé and I were visiting her parents who own a home in Boca Raton, and I was hoping to get a fishing trip in with her father, Jim, while I was there. The Everglades aren't too far from where they live, and her dad owned a small boat. And since he's retired, he spends a good deal of time taking it out on some of the local lakes. I ran the idea of fishing the glades past him and he seemed to be just as excited as me. Despite being in the vicinity, he had actually never fished it. Well, a few days after we got there, we made arrangements and set out early in the morning, towing his boat behind us. It wasn't one of the boats from the movies, you know, with the big fans. It was a nice little 14-foot tracker, which was perfect for the narrow waterways. We're both kind of anti-technology, YouTube videos and computer solitaire is the extent of our interest, So, like fools, neither one of us brought a satellite GPS, and we both left our phones in the truck. Anyway, we got to the glades and got the boat in the water around 9 a.m. We planned to fish around 2 and then head back home and be there in time for dinner. We hadn't planned on getting lost. It was a blast at first. We saw a few alligators, which I'd never seen in the wild. We stopped to fish a few times and even caught a few largemouths each. I guess around 1pm when we figured we should start heading back in the direction we came. We were both adept at navigation and kept aware of when and where we had turned, but it didn't really help. We had seriously underestimated the labyrinth of channels and canals, and it didn't take us long to realize that we'd gotten lost in the maze of the Everglades. We weren't panicking, yet, but by this time it was well past 2pm and we couldn't tell if we'd made any progress or not. We had just come around the turn of yet another channel when I saw something bizarre. Some thing that had been standing along one of the banks dove into the water just as we made the turn. I only caught a glimpse of it, but it had been standing upright on two legs and had a green scaly complexion. I convinced myself that it was just an alligator and maybe the sun had caught it at a weird angle. Besides, we had bigger problems. The sun was getting low in the sky and we hadn't seen a single other person. We didn't have much water and we were still completely lost. I really regret thinking I was macho enough to not need a GPS. A few canals later I happened to turn around and caught sight of something in the water right behind the boat. It looked like an alligator but it was moving way too fast and it was speeding directly towards me. I was in the back on the motor and I gunned the throttle in surprised response. A bunch of things happened at once. Not expecting the sudden shift in speed, my soon-to-be father-in-law fell back against the side of the boat and tumbled into the water. At the same time, the creature that had been tailing us rose out of the water and lashed out toward me with a set of razor-sharp claws. When I say rose, I mean stood up, on two legs like a human would. Gunning the engine is probably what saved me as the swipe fell short. I burst forward a few feet and got a good look at this thing. The water was around five feet deep there, and this thing was standing up, the waterline around its waist. It had a pair of thickly muscled arms, each sporting one of those clawed fists that had almost decapitated me. Greenish-black scales ran the length of it and had terminated in a flat head jaw open, bearing two rows of serrated teeth. I saw Jim hit the water and immediately start splashing around. I knew he could swim, but being launched from a boat into alligator-infested waters is probably the kind of thing to cause you to panic. The only problem was that this thing was between me and Jim. I couldn't leave him, and I couldn't get around this thing, there was no room. I'm not saying I'm brave, because I certainly didn't feel courageous in the moment. But I turned the boat around quickly, twisted the throttle as far as I could and charged. The bow of the boat lifted into the air. I couldn't see past it, but I felt an impact and the boat shuddered almost tipping to the left. I let go of the throttle and pulled alongside the frantic Jim and grabbed his arm. I started hauling him in and looked back over my shoulder. The wake from the short burst was lapping against both sides of the channel and thick rings of water flowing away from where, I guessed, the creature had been. It was nowhere in sight. I brought Jim into the boat and not too gently threw him to the deck, plopped back down next to the motor and sped away up the channel. We didn't see the creature again. After a few hours, we eventually ran into a group of guys who led us back to the boat ramp. We were only about 20 minutes away, and had pretty much been going in circles the whole time. We each had about a dozen missed calls from our wives. I think Jim was pretty upset with me, but eventually he came around and laughed it off. He had never actually seen the thing, and thought I had just overreacted to an alligator. But I know that it wasn't. Alligators don't stand on two feet, and they don't attack with their claws, I don't know if it's a species of animal that hasn't been encountered yet, or a weird human-alligator hybrid, but whatever it is, it probably shouldn't exist. This happened back in either 2000 or 2001. I can't really remember which, but it was around there, so quite a while ago. I have a group of friends that loves the outdoors and loves to explore different areas around the country. We've been all over, from east coast to west, north and south. It's been a lot of fun over the years. I prefer the north as I'm not a fan of being hot and sweaty, but we vote on where we're going next. So we got the group together and half chose to go to Big Cypress National Preserve in Florida. I wanted to go to Alaska, but it was only me and my buddy John who chose Alaska, unfortunately. I agreed on Florida on the condition we didn't go in the summer, which was debated for about an hour over lunch. Finally, I convinced enough of my friends that it was a good idea. We compromised on going in September, where it's still warm but not excruciatingly hot like in the middle of summer. We planned on hiking, biking, canoeing, and staying at multiple campsites throughout the park. We'd even plan to try some of the primitive sites without all the modern creature comforts. We decided we'd check out Everglades National Park as well, since it's right next door to Big Cypress. We drove east down the main road, called the Tamiami Trail, to the scenic route that brought us to the Concho-Billy Trail. Finally, we get to the trail, park the cars, and get our bikes out. We all took pictures of the green Concho trail sign, and that's when we first smelled something rank, kind of skunk-like. That's not unusual though out in nature, and we set out on the trail. The smell passed pretty quickly, about 10 minutes into our ride. We stopped again after about a mile and heard this loud call from the trees. It was low, almost a rumble, but it carried. We all just looked at each other and put our fingers up to our lips. I know there's no mountain lions in the park, but I wasn't sure if there was a bear or not. Twice we heard it call out, and my friend Annie even recorded it on her phone. We waited after the second call about 20 minutes, then we got back on our bikes and took off. We traveled barely half a mile more when we heard the call again. We stopped to listen, and then we smelled an awful rank smell again. This time it was like a mix of skunk and strong urine. That's the best I can describe it. The calls seemed farther out than we'd heard before, but the smell seemed to just permeate the entire area. It was incredibly strong. Annie decided to record the sounds again with her phone. We stayed there maybe 10 minutes and something crashed in the trees off to our right, maybe 30 feet away from us. We didn't stay to see what it was. We got on our bikes and we hauled as fast as we could back to the cars. I don't know what it was. We got back in the cars and took off back to camp. We were all laughing at each other and kind of freaking out together. We got back to camp and we told our story to a few people, even played the recordings. No one knew what it was, but we did learn that there is indeed black bear that live in the preserve. What we heard wasn't a bear though, and that smell seemed to show up with the calls. We've had odd encounters before in our travels, but this one, this one takes the cake. To this day, no one knows what we heard. We've played the calls to many people, even some animal people, you know, hunters and some rangers we've met in our travels. No one can identify the calls. It's really strange.
0: Let me know what you think of these stories in the comments below. And don't forget to check out my other channels. Dread Captures brings you the strangest trail cam footage. If it's weird, creepy, and unexplainable, you'll find it on Dread Captures. Dread Discovers is everything that I find fascinating, from real-life giants to urban legends that became true, and creepy pictures with backstories just to name a few topics. Also, check out Lilith Dread's channel, who is similar to mine but narrated by Lilith herself. Thanks and take care.